set. Places, everybody. And action. Hi, guys. Welcome to this next episode of Black Girl Film Club, a podcast where two Black women talk about movies. So on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Pariah from 2011? Yeah. Direct, written and directed by D. Reese. Yes. So, Ashley, do you want to go in, um, give the listeners a little bit of information about how and why we picked this movie? Yeah. So originally, uh, I think we kind of were trying to pick something, I guess, to like compare to 13 in the way that <laughs> 13 is mostly um, a, a white sort of cast, mostly with a white director. Um and this one is mostly a black cast with a black director, both women. Um, but I guess for in watching it, there's it's not really a move, two movies that you can compare to, but they do share similar themes. It's just, um, I guess, in the way that the characters sort of like are expressing themselves and sort of finding themselves. Um, except for like Pariah and Pariah the characters ex- are expressing themselves in healthy ways where in 13 <laughs> it is more like about the drinking and the drugs and the wild and out uh but I did find some similarities in them which we can talk about later but I do want to talk some about uh the director D. Rees Okay. which I I knew her name before I kind of knew her name I guess um when we picked the movie, but I didn't know um, a whole lot about her. So in my research, uh, she is most known recently as being like the first black woman to be nominated for an Oscar for best adapted screenplay, which is not to be confused with um, being nominated for best original screenplay. That goes to Suzanne DePass for uh, co-writing Lady Sings the Blues all the way back in 1972. (laughs) Wow. Which is kind of, it's not kind of terrible, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so um, in addition to Pariah, Dee has also uh, directed Bessie, which is starring, uh, stars Queen Latifah. It's really good. Yeah, I watched that one. And then Mudbound, which is on Netflix currently, which I have not seen yet. And that was also nominated um, for, I think, additional three Oscars in various categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pariah, uh, for D at least, it is a semi-autobiographical movie because she is uh, a lesbian, and out lesbian. And she started film school actually super late. She started film school at like 26. Oh, wow. I mean, compared to like most, um, most directors, especially a lot of like male directors, uh, she was working like a really crappy job in Nashville or at least in like the Nashville area, I think. And she kind of discovered that she wanted to be behind the camera and she moved to New York uh, and went to uh, NYU's grad school program. And I think she like, I think Spike Lee was her mentor. I read mm-hmm. that somewhere. 
and I was yep. skimming. But while she was in New York, uh, she came out to her family and she started writing Pariah as like a way to sort of like, um, I guess, deal with their disapproval. And she said like her gr- her mother, her father and her grandmother all flew to New York and tried to have an intervention with her. And they sent her <laughs> a lot of Bible verses. <laughs> and I know that's such a like a Southern black family thing. Ugh. Yeah. I felt so bad when I read that. Um, but she said she was inspired by seeing teenagers um, that were like already out and very like, you know, very comfortable with their sexuality and displaying their sexuality, which is something she had never seen when living in the South. So she was still going through her own sort of coming out process. And um, that's how the idea for the movie originated. And she also said that she felt very much like uh, Alike in the movie um, in the way that she didn't feel very like butch or femme. She just felt like those choices were too binary and she didn't really fit into either one that she just wanted to kind of be herself. So this is kind of like a, I guess like a semi-therapeutic way of dealing with a lot of like high stress emotions, like in her late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I thought something very interesting about this was that this movie was only shot with $500,000, which is what? a lot of money, but not a lot of money in the film world. I know. $500,000 is like chump change. (laughs) Wait, okay. Wait a minute. So this movie was like filmed with $500,000. But 13. (laughs) Like, wasn't it like one or two million? (laughs) I think it was like a million dollars. A million or two million dollars, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, for you guys listening, like, just watch the no panties, no bra scene of um, 13 and watch Pariah since it's on Netflix. And the, oh my God, like my mind is blown now. Like, yeah, I did substantial amount of money went into 13 and it looks like an episode of Degrassi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie is like really, really beautifully shot, which I also yes. want to give a shout out to the cinematographer because- yes. The cinematographer is Bradford Young. He is um, the first Black person to ever be nominated for cinematography. He was nominated last year for Arrival, which is, like, I know a lot of people may not have seen that movie in the theater. That is one of the most gorgeous movies visually I have ever seen. And he's also done a most violent year, Selma. He's doing the upcoming Solo, the Star Wars story. Oh, wow. Can't really give you anything about that one, but he oh. um, he has a really uh, great way of lighting um, black skin, which you see in this movie. Yes. Um, and he I mean, obviously he's black, so usually when you have a black person lighting black people, you start to say, "Hey, those shadows are a bit much," <laughs> and vice versa. So I um, I just wanted to give him a shout out because I didn't see a lot of people give him any sort of props last year and I think maybe it was because like it was overshadowed by like other movies and stuff and a lot lot of people don't really give cinematography that much um when it comes to like the big Oscar awards that people focus on but I wanted to give him a shout out because his movies are beautiful yeah like I'm I want to talk about the way the movie is like shot because it's it's honestly gorgeous But before we get into that, I just wanted to like basically give everybody a quick rundown of the movie. Um, 
The story is about a 17-year-old girl named Alike, or she goes by Lee, who is trying to figure herself out um, in terms of her like sexuality and her identity. And she has like a pretty typical family. Her mother works. Her father is a police officer, which I didn't get until like halfway through the movie, despite me being a detective. And I thought he was like a security guard. I thought he was, I I thought he worked. Oh, this is messed up now. I'm, oh, bruh, this is messed up. I thought he worked at like a factory. Um, Yeah. I think it's going to be way. Like the the long hours he works and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like he, it seems like from the way they argue and stuff, it seems like he's more, I guess, quote unquote, like working class. I guess is is that the right way to put it? Like he he has like a sort of like I thought he had like a a lot simpler job than yeah, being a detective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. me me too. Because like it's like one of the first arguments that you kind of see. I thought he just had on like. A suit? Yeah, he and did have a suit. Late, and then later on in the movie, you see, oh, he's a detective. And I'm like, oh, that's messed up, Brittany. That's messed up. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, Alika is in this household with her parents. She has her father, who is absent a lot of the time due to his work. Um, but they share a really kind of close relationship. And then you also have her mother, who is a little overbearing. Mm-hmm. and it seems like she's trying to figure out who her daughter is in all the wrong ways. And then you have Alike's yeah. um, younger sister who's in, um, her name is Sharonda. And Sharonda is a younger sister character. Like she's cool, but she's annoying because that's what kid siblings are in most movies. Yeah. She's um, very like a sassy, smart little girl. <laughs> she's actually one of my favorite like, characters. Little sister here trope, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of has, she has a couple like one-liners in the movie that are actually kind of funny, (laughs) but she doesn't, we don't really find out a whole lot about her. We don't. And like when I was getting ready to watch the movie, like I watched it this evening, I've seen it a few times before, but like I didn't realize the runtime is like short. It's a really, it's only 86 minutes but it seems like they packed a lot into it. They did. And I think by trying to trim things down, we are missing a little bit of development with like the younger sister. We are missing a little bit of development with the basically the entire family, honestly. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a little bit more time could have been spent with the dad fleshing that character out and definitely with the mother fleshing that character out. I think a lot of the the movie kind of requires us to be like to fill in the gaps because there's a lot of things like like when you said like you didn't realize what kind of job the dad had I didn't realize until like he had um, his uniform on I was like oh okay he's a cop like I guess he's NYPD and then later they show him on TV and he's they said oh detective so and so and I'm like oh he's a detective like you kind of get these little clues about the characters and there's a lot of like unsaid um like vague allusions to um to certain situations in the family's life that may have been like pre the movie so I think D kind of uh relies on us to sort of like flesh it out and sort of I guess 
I guess taking what we're observing and sort of building a, the characters on our own, which is it, it could be good, could be bad, depending on how you look at it. Because I got I got my little backstory for the mama, <laughs> but I'll get into that a little later. And I want to start with the movie's opening because it starts out at. Uh, a lesbian club that apparently is like a new club open in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with one of the greatest works of music ever written. Like it is an absolute masterpiece. Every time I hear it, like a little tear just trickles down my cheek. <laughs> and that song is My Neck, My Back. A modified classic, an instant classic. Yes. She doesn't, I don't know. I mean, what can you say about the song other than that is one of the, I guess, most recognizable songs you could ever have. Like, like everybody knows that song. Yes, everybody Even if does. it's not it appropriate just, for people to know that song. <laughs> it fills your soul with so much joy when she sings about her neck and her back, her pussy and her crack. Honestly, like, as long, it just makes you so happy on the inside. How old that song is, and sometimes I still kind of get taken back, like, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> here are the lyrics, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's how the song goes. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever saw that video because it's like her and like the cookout or whatever. And she's in the and pool the fake on the float, I think. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot going on in that video. And I just remember being like, there's something about these lyrics. And then I think I heard like the real version. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, you can say this? <laughs> You can say this. <laughs> I know, right? Like you can actually say that kind of stuff. Oh god. I feel like it's Kaya's fault that people talk about eating ass on Twitter. Like, <laughs> you know. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother oh rabbit hole. <laughs> oh my god. That you know what? I think you are honestly honest. I just that is partially her legacy. <laughs> I know she's got other things she's that done, is but we can blame it on her. I do. She hasn't done anything else and she doesn't have to do anything else. <laughs> That's honestly all that she needs. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, I'm sorry. like in the club, Alike is there with her friend, um, Laura, who is another lesbian who seems like she's out already. Yeah. Um, during the course of the movie, you do get a glimpse into Laura's home life and you kind of, um, you know, see what is going on with her, like her like family situation and a little bit about her like educational background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like Alike and Laura are having fun, but you kind of get the feeling that like Alike isn't quite sure of herself right then yeah like to start approaching people and talking and like flirting and being herself yeah laura like is i think like constantly like with a girl or has somebody that she's like you know talking to or flirting with and like alike is kind of just there by herself and she looks very like she's happy to be there but she's she seems like she's overwhelmed most of the time just Mm -hmm. like with everything that's going on. And you see that, like, later, too. Like, she still feels like she 
like this is the right thing for her, but it's just so much like sensory overload at the time that she just kind of feels like almost like she's like a little paralyzed. Like she doesn't really know what to do in the moment. And she's kind of looking mm-hmm. towards Laura to kind of figure out, but you know, of course Laura's are like in her zone. Like she is, you know, mm-hmm. she's got girl after girl after girl. <laughs> and like, I guess this is great acting. Like I feel like everybody in this film did an amazing job, mm-hmm. especially like Kim Wayne's mm-hmm. like, I honestly would not have expected this type of performance from her. And that's mostly because what you know her from is like in Living Color where her whole damn family on there and they all making jokes and being silly. But you never really see the like more serious side of the Wayans. Like I feel like we've only Mm -hmm. got like a couple glimpses mostly in this movie and then the horror movie that is Requiem for a Dream with Marlon. She's in that but, movie. Like, huh? She's in that movie. Yes. What? You have to. I just watched that I last year, and I didn't realize. Yeah, he does amazing in there. Oh. It's, see? Oh. It's, see, like you didn't even like realize he was doing a good job. I, mean, I remember Marlon Wait, wait. Okay. No, I remember Marlon Wayans was in there. I thought she said Kim was in there. I was going to say, wait. No, I was just mentioning Marlon. Oh, I was like, wait, wait, like- wait. I missed a thing. I missed a couple. Of- okay. No, I totally remember Marlon. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. I missed a lot. I was like, Kim was in it. She danced the damn thing. Like, okay, but like- wait. I was true chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> but she did a really good job in this. And like, when you see Alike, like at home, or out with Laura, or at school, you kind of, you see how young she is. Like, you see that she's literally a baby trying to figure herself out. And I think, like, the opening scene at the club was, like, the perfect example of this. Like you mentioned it, um a minute ago, like, she's, a lot of, a lot of stuff is happening when they're, like, at the club. You got, like, my neck, my back plan, the lighting is beautiful, all the reds and purples. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of stuff going on. But you could see that she, even though she's hesitant to like get involved or like approach somebody, um, you know, flirt with girls or what have you, you still kind of see that she's enjoying herself. Yeah. And you can honestly see how close her and Laura are. Like I kind of, I know like later on in the movie, they explained that Laura left school and she's trying to like get her GED. So I wasn't quite sure of their ages. Yeah, yeah. But like my read on it, it was like maybe Laura is like a year or so or, um, older than Alike, or maybe they're the same age and she's just a little bit more um, mature. I but think, I felt like she- I feel like they either knew each other, um, and Laura dropped out um, for reasons why you could probably figure out later in the movie um, to support mm-hmm. herself. <clears throat> but I think I have a feeling they are either like eighteen and seventeen. But then, like the closest was the eighteen got. plus. So I'm not really to- totally sure. No, I think me and you got that same like read okay. on it because that's what I got from it too. Um, but I really, I honestly liked how Laura was mentoring her. Like 
not only was she like kind of showing her the ropes mm-hmm. to like get Alika more involved in that community, but you could see that she genuinely cared for her friend. She loved her friend and that she was probably the, she, no, she wasn't probably, she was the most supportive person that Alike had in her Yeah, life. she definitely was. And then like Alike, like after that night in the club, they kind of like do the numbers thing that I only seen in movies. Like I remember it happening in the wood, like who can get the most numbers <laughs> after like going yeah. out. So Laura got a few numbers. I think she got one. And Alike said she had three, but Laura's like, bullshit. And they were just like going back and forth with each other. And then it's kind of like a really stark contrast between like them hanging out, having fun, and um, Alike arriving home. You got kind of have like a middle part where they're on the bus. And Laura wants to make sure that Alike gets home okay. Alike is like, no, no, I'm good. You you get off at your stop. I'll go mm-hmm. home. And at first, you kind of don't get the reason why. Like, you say, like, when that conversation was happening, I was more, like, leaning, like, in favor of what Laura was talking about. Like, y'all are, like, two young folks. Y'all don't need to be out late at night That's by yourselves. That's what I was worried about at first. I was like, where are y'all going? Yes, ride home with me, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be my thing if I was riding home. <laughs> Like, bruh, I watch too much Law and Order, yeah. so, like, it's better to be in numbers. But then, like, as after Laura gets off of the bus, you kind of see the reason why um, Alike didn't want Laura to, you know, make sure she got home safe because Alike had to go and put on basically a costume. Mm-hmm. Like, she's taking off her hat and her do-rag. She's like smoothing out her hair. She's putting on earrings and a shirt that says Angel. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, like, that was a little heartbreaking for me for a little bit because, like, you see somebody so happy, like, in their zone, like, being themselves. And then you have them kind of like going back down into somebody. You can kind of, like, see them not wanting to yeah. be. And you get a better sense of that when she actually gets home. And you, um, like, she gets home a little past curfew. Her sister is being a kid sister in a movie and kind of snitches on her. And when she, she sure did snitch on her, <laughs> <laughs> she gets upstairs and her mom, oh my God, like, this, I think this film does a really good job, like, showing a black mama mm-hmm. because. As a black child of a black mom, I could be like 50 years old and my mom will still be my mom. She probably would still like walk into my room without knocking. Be like, what you in here doing? Or what yeah. you watching? What, like asking a million questions. And I feel like this did a great job of showing a black yeah. mom. Even though, oh my God. Like, um, Alike's mother immediately like comes into the room and starts like grilling her on where she's been, who she's with. Um, and then getting on her about like, you need to start dressing more like a girl or like, Oh, I like your shirt. It says angel. That's a cute shirt. It shows off your figure. And like the whole time you can see like Alike, like, bruh, like just leave me alone. Like leave me alone. 
And her mother just continues to do that. Which I think is kind of and, funny because like they kind of do the same thing in 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 um in 13, but it, it kind of comes off differently because I remember when Kishi barges in her room <laughs> too, in Tracy's room, and Tracy's <laughs> like, What are you doing? Get out. I mean, obviously the age difference is a lot is a lot um a lot farther apart. Like 13 year old, like, okay, like there's I mean there's you deserve privacy, but I mean, I think a mom still has more, like, I guess, oversight. Whereas Alike's almost 18. Like, she's going to graduate that year. She is practically an adult already. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. but also, like, the whole, like, oh, you know, I like that shirt. It shows off your figure. And, you know, maybe we can get some more clothes like that. I really like that. <laughs> it's, like, so um, – it's, it's – I, you can tell she's trying to be a, a mom, but there's also like an intrusive, um, there's an intrusive nature to it. That's not just like, oh, I'm complimenting, mm-hmm. I'm complimenting you. It's also I'm trying to like, oh yeah, I'm trying to get you more into these feminine clothes. Yes, more feminine clothes. <laughs> yes, that was her like number one objective throughout most mm-hmm. of the movie. Is in okay, so the. The thing about her mom, Audrey, is she wants Alike to be more feminine. She wants her to not hang around Laura because Laura is a lesbian. And she doesn't want Alike to be a lesbian. Which. Yeah, but she never says it. Like, like, nobody ever says this out loud until. Uh, to like about the very end of the movie, like the climax of the movie, like nobody ever says really. Um, just very few people actually allude to the fact that Alike might be gay because she's she hasn't come out to her family yet, obviously. Uh, so her mom and her dad, like they talk about Alike. Uh, well, it's more her mom talking about it, really, and she doesn't really say the words lesbian but she's very much like i don't want you hanging out with her i don't want you dressing like that you need to put on better clothes and it's very it's very sad to see because i i I have feelings about it yeah i have have lots of feelings i'll save them to the end (laughs) but i have lots of feelings about it i i i have a lot of feelings too (laughs) yeah but like in audrey's mission to make alike I feel like the end goal was to quote unquote, like make Alike quote normal. Mm-hmm. Like the younger sister is like, wow, this younger sister is really like a kid's yeah. sister trope. Like the younger sister took takes pride in her appearance. She doesn't mind wearing skirts. She wears makeup. She likes boys. She talks about boys she asked her parents about sex at dinner, which I was like, what? <laughs> she sure did. But, uh, she sure did. And I can't wait to go to prom. I think I'm going to go with, or like it was a homecoming dance. Like I'm going to go with this dude or that dude. I don't know yet, but and she was just going over. And then that's how ended up her um, asking her dad when he had sex at the prom or something. I was like, what? Yeah, Y'all I was just like, talking about this I'm going to have sex with like, no, wait. <laughs> that conversation went, what? Like, by the way, like, what? I know, I was like, uh, I guess this is like a great time at the, din- at the dinner table for y'all. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But this is like, 
a rare moment in the movie. Like, I don't feel like there's too many more like this where they're a family who's eating dinner together. They're all together. They're laughing. They're having like actual conversations. Like a genuine like interaction with each other. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's really another moment quite like that in the movie. The next day, like, you kind of see like Alike's life in school. And I thought this come wait, was this the part where she's in school? Like you find out that she's a poet. So she writes poetry in her little notebook and she is being mentored by one of her mm-hmm. teachers. So she's reading a poem to her teacher and her teacher was like, eh, it's good, but it's not your best work. And I know you can do better. And I feel like that conversation kind of sets up something that happens later on in the movie but like as like they only show a few scenes of her in school, but another like key scene in her um her school experience um toward the beginning of the movie is when she overhears like some young ladies talking about like their weekend. Yeah. And she overhears one of the girls like call her cute. And I thought that was a really sweet moment because <laughs> At school, you kind of see that she's, she kind of seems like a loner. She kind of seems like she doesn't have any friends there now that, like, Laura's gone. Yeah. Like. She doesn't seem like she has a lot of friends. We don't really see her with any other friends uh, at the beginning of the movie uh, in school. And she kind of, I mean, like, I kind of, like, hid out at the lunch table or, I guess, in, like, my teacher's room during lunch, but I had, like, a group of friends that I, I was with, but she's... Usually people would, you know, much rather be in the lunchroom <laughs> with their friends, cutting up and stuff, than, you know, hanging out with their mm-hmm. teachers even for a small amount of time. So, yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's definitely, like, a loner. And I, I was like, oh, this poor baby. Bless her heart. Like, just, she's so sweet. Bless mm-hmm. her. Um... But, like, I feel like the young lady saying that she had a crush on Alike kind of comes back a little bit later in the movie. And as Alike spends her day in school, you kind of get a glimpse of her mother at work. And this scene was super interesting because, like, the mom is eating lunch at work. And another, like, her coworker comes in, like, hey, girl, what are you doing? And she's like, where do you go for lunch or whatever? And um, she said that she went to the store and she picked up a shirt for her daughter. And it was like a pink button-down shirt. Was ugly. It was honestly ugly. That shit was ugly. Like, it was oh, ugly Oh, my God, shirt. that shit was ugly. It was looking like something that came from, like, the, yeah. like, the, not the junior section, but what was the next section with, like, Young Misses or whatever? That sh- Ugh, from, like, fucking Miss- Dillard's or something. <laughs> it looked shit. like it came from Chico's. <laughs> you got to wear those with, like, it did look like black it came <laughs> but like her mom was like so proud to pull like this shirt out the bag to show her co-worker and the co-worker was like oh this is cute did you get it for Sharonda your baby girl and like her whole face fell she was like uh no I got it for my oldest daughter Alike and the the co-worker was like oh okay I just um when I saw it I thought of your baby girl um, but it's a nice shirt. <laughs> and then this I think everybody seems to realize that Alike is 
Like everybody seems to realize um, a key thing about Alike, except for her mom. I think her mom realizes, but she's like in denial for the most part. But everybody's like, yeah, Alike don't want to wear that. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like after this scene, you go back home and it's like Sunday morning. Right? This is the part that comes next. Like they're getting ready. We skip some stuff. Um, we skipped the thing about the strap on. <laughs> we did. Because when she heard, okay, when she heard the girls talk about her at school and she's like, oh, you know, she was more, she's like, okay, first of all, the girl says she's not gay, but if she was, which is a red flag, oh my God. If she said she, if she was gay and Malika was like a little bit more masculine, then she was holler at her. And I, the, the note I wrote down, I was like, oh God, this sounds like a letter from the read. Another letter from the, for the read. <laughs> because <laughs> there's always some girl who's like, I'm not really into girls, but I'm into this girl and she won't commit. And I don't know why. And Crystal always is like, well, girl, it's because you say you're not gay. You can't be, you can't be out here talking about I'm not gay. But I like this girl. Like, of course, she's not going to commit to you. And I think that's what Laura tries to tell her because she goes and she goes immediate to Laura. Oh, yeah. And the other girl. Yeah. The girl says she likes girls, but she loves boys. And I was like, oh, no, Alike, don't get caught yeah, up. I was like, mm. yeah. Like, I'm like, that's that's not a good sign, baby. But she goes to Laura's mm-hmm. job and asks, um, like, oh, can you hook her up? I guess. Either that either she knew her and she could hook her up or something. But like Laura's like, hey, I don't know about that, cause well, she doesn't really like you like you like that. And Alike insists that she does. And then Alike, this is why I think she's like younger than either she's younger than 18 or she's just like too freaked out to do certain things because she asks Laura to buy her the strap on. <laughs> And Laura's like, I guess, dude. Okay, I'll do it. She comes over with a white dick strap on. <laughs> and Alike is like, I it look stupid. stupid. It was so ugly. She <laughs> <laughs> did. I was like, Laura. And then she wants Laura to take it back. She's like, I'm back. She's like, I look I'm stupid. And Laura's like, no, you I'm like, Laura, what were you thinking? Like, you could have got her, like, a rainbow-colored strap-on if you were going to do that. <laughs> Why would you get her that? Like, jeez. Because one thing, I don't know if we noted this, oh, but, like, Alipi's a virgin. So this is, like, really big deal. <laughs> like, it is. And Laura was like, she's like, can't you take it back and get a new one? She's like, I'm not going back in there. <laughs> like, and they're both like, no. No. <laughs> so yeah, oh she does end up throwing out the but strap, then, like, and then we get to Sunday morning. But we had to mention that part. I'm sorry, that was hysterical. Oh. Like, oh Laura, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh my god! And then like her little sister comes in, like, what? Oh, yeah. What like she came in to get her makeup, and she saw everything, and she was like, "What is oh, that?" Oh yeah, Lake friends like put the strap on in her makeup and stuff. Like, <laughs> but like this scene was another like kind of like cute scene because like they were like Laura and Alike were arguing back and forth about the strap <laughs> on, and then her sister came in, and 
this was kind of like a moment where I feel like Sharonda got like the whole yeah. picture. And she said her sister was nasty, not because <laughs> mostly because of the strap on and not because her sister was a leg- yeah. a lesbian. Um, but it was just like, you give me my makeup back or I'm gonna tell. So it came up to like a like sibling yeah. squabble. And I was like, you know what, Sharonda, you cool. Okay. So far you the best person in this family so far. Outside of yeah. Malike. Okay. But like right after Sharonda leaves, her mom comes in and her mom hates She does. Laura. Like really like Oh my gosh, she hates this on her so much. Like you could just see the disgust and she's just like, Oh, what are you doing here? And I'm yeah. like, Whoa. Like this is a kid still, bruh. Like and she asked her like all these like kids. She asked her all these awkward questions too about her mom and her sister. And at first I didn't think like they were both on the picture, but then we see later that uh, the sister is in the picture. Um, and like Laura goes to, like close the door after they leave because they're like, you know, leaving the room. Probably to argue more about the strap on. <laughs> and like Audrey's like, oh no, no, no. We keep the door open in this house. And I was like, oh, that's so extra. Like like, if your daughter, yeah. like, if it was Sharonda and, like, a friend, I'm sure, like, Sharonda would have been allowed to keep the door closed. I'm almost positive. So, I'm just like, yeah. doing all extra. But, yeah, Alike wears a strap to mm-hmm. the club. <laughs> and then she's, like, she's, like, it, it hurts. <laughs> like, she doesn't take it off. I felt bad for her. I and mean, Laura's, like, no, you have to, you made it this way. I keep it on. <laughs> I was, like, what? You can't walk around with the dick in your hand. Yeah, you yeah. She's like, I'm going to go take it off. And Laura's like, what are you going to do? You walk around the club with in your hand. I'm like, well, that's not going to work for you either, Alike. What you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and also during this part, like, a girl, like, well, of course, Laura is, like, flirting with all the girls. But, like, a girl's flirting with Alike, and Alike is kind of, like, not really uh, giving her the time of day. I don't know if it's because she was, like, I think it's just because she's, like, super shy and awkward and she's got this uncomfortable-ass strap-on on. But, like, she asked her, like, multiple times, yeah. like, oh, do you want to dance? Like, do you mind if I go dance? Like, do you want to come with me? And Alika was like, um, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. And I was like, girl. Girl. But then also, like, in her. my notes I wrote down, I was like, does Alika, like, like Laura? Like, at this part. And I was like, she might. I don't know. Like, beyond friendship. Because she's, like, watching Laura, like, on the dance floor. I was floor. like, oh, my God. Like, Laura was having the time of her life. And Alike, like, I want, it seemed like she was just, like, shy. And, like, I guess, like, this is the first time somebody had actually came up to her and be like, yeah, you want to dance? And she's yeah. like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. what am I going to say? And so she, like, kind of sends that girl away. And I'm like, oh. Bless your heart. I think it was like Bless again, like heart. too much, like too much happening at once. Like really, yeah. Because like, in comparison to Laura, like Laura's like she's in there, like she knows what to do. She knows like she, I mean, she's got two girls on her arm, like she's good. <laughs> Lika just like in the shadows, kind of like help. <laughs> I felt so bad for her, but I was also like, well, I mean, this girl should talk to you. You know, you might want to talk to her. You know, at least take a little bit of conversation, but alas. So 
the then now it's officially mm-hmm. Sunday morning. So uh, Aubrey is okay. So Aubrey gets the family up to go to church. Alike is wearing like a button down shirt and some slacks, perfectly mm-hmm. fine church attire. And her mom comes down in a dress and she's like, oh, you need to change. And Alike is like, what's wrong with what I got on? You need to go change. Put that shirt on. I just bought that ugly ass shirt. And Alike is like, why? And then right then her dad comes home. And this is when I was like, oh, okay. So he's wearing a police uniform now. Okay. So he's a policeman. But you know, Um, detectives. But he's like, I just got home. Do detectives wear police uniforms? Uh, according to SBU, I don't think so. <laughs> according to, uh, what is it? The 24, the 48 hours. I don't think they do. Was it 40? Is it 48 hours? <laughs> the one that they're always showing somebody from. Yes, 48 always hours. showing a murderer from Dallas. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this town. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was so confused too. Cause I was like, okay, he's a cop. But then like later, his, his role is very kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. But all you gotta know, honestly, at like the base of his character is caring father who ain't shit. Yeah, like, he is. <laughs> that's he really is. He's like it's a the base is shit, but then on top of it is caring. Yeah, father. and that's kind of like a hard because like he's he out of the two parents, he's the most understanding, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. But also, like, um, like as you can see, like, him and his wife have, like, a terrible relationship. Uh, they need a divorce. They did. They needed to. I wanted them to. <laughs> yes, like, this, like, the Sunday morning, tell your daughter to go put on the shirt I bought her argument. I was like, bruh, y'all need to go seek counseling because, uh. This is probably just gonna boil over yeah, into some like, mess. Aubrey's like, oh, I'm tired of the tomboy thing. And uh like he doesn't really seem to really be he doesn't seem like he's bothered by it, but he also seems like he doesn't be bothered in general. <laughs> and like I Aubrey says something weird. She says she that Alika needs like a male point of view. I didn't really get that part necessarily, unless she's trying to say like she'll only pay attention to what men say. Because I guess as as a woman, she's or, tried and it's not working. I don't know. I think it was maybe like a twofold thing. Like one, like I feel like maybe a little bit before, no, a little after this. But like you kind of see how close Alika and her father are. They are and, super tight. And like kind of like you said, like it doesn't matter what I say as a mom. Like you're a guy. You know what guys like, which is kind of weird. But uh people do it yeah I but he his like response is like oh you good with the outfit you got on yeah because well, like, yeah i was like, like oh yeah tuck in your shirt and he's like no leave it out and it's just like so many like mixed signals and like statements um from her parents like is getting at the same time obviously she's gonna listen to her what her dad says which i mean if she's gonna do anything at least keep the ugly shirt untucked like it's, it's that one little sliver of salvation keep the fucking shirt untucked but like they're just kind of battling each other like over Alike's head all the time yeah and then they say something weird oh because they're arguing too about like is he gonna go to church and he says no he's like i'm working and then she gets mad because he says he's gonna work later that night 
Uh, and he tells her like, oh, I don't have to work these extra hours because only getting us like nice restaurants and for you kids to have designer sneakers. But um, he's like, if we were just trying to like, you know, live and be comfortable, be, you know, fed and clothed, like we'll be fine if I wasn't working these extra hours. But if- he seems to blame it on her because she says, are you, are you forever going to be mad? And he says, are you forever going to be happy? You made that decision a long time ago. And I was like, Ooh, Hey, like yeah. there is some like me too. I was like, oh, there's like years of like tension and like whatever they like because they talk about making sacrifices too. So whatever they did like years before is like slowly bubbling up. And I think her uh, Audrey's like insistence by Lique and her clothes and like who she hangs out with, I think, is like making it. Um, more and more tense, but then also the fact that he's kind of unwilling to like go with her and like support her and her uh, crusade is also causing things to be extremely tense. And there's the fact that he's working late all the time, quote unquote, working late. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of <laughs> like, quotes about around now. This is a lot of like anger in that house. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stress mm-hmm. in that house. I wouldn't want to be in that damn house. I want to go to the club all the time too. <laughs> Yeah, it was making me stressed. I was like, yeah, Ooh, yeah. I was Ooh. like, oh, okay. I was like, it's getting a little vicious. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's getting mm-hmm. a little personal. <laughs> and I feel like this might be around the time where Audrey, me, sorry, Aubrey, asked her husband, like, I thought you said you would talk to her, and he was like, she good, like she fine. I don't need to talk to her. And she's like, you promised you would talk to her about this phase. And his stance on Alika is like, she good. Like, he honestly didn't have a problem with it until his friends started saying stuff about it. Yeah. But at church, um, I guess they go to the same church as Aubrey's um, co-worker. Because the co-worker is there and her daughter was there. So I think the daughter name is Bina. Is it Bina? Yeah. Yeah, Bina. So I when I watched this, I was like, I know color of friendship ain't over here playing a teenager. Is that her? Yes. It's color ain't it color of friendship? I, I thought she was in the in a Canadian movie. Or not movie. Wait, what? She's Let in a um she's oh. in a t- she was on South of Nowhere. Yeah, she was in that show on the end, which I didn't really watch. Oh, no, I, I kind of watched that show. Not as much as, like... I got caught up with it, like, one day after, like, Degrassi was over, it came <laughs> on, and I was like, huh, this is cute. Okay, South of Nowhere, y'all go there like Degrassi. So I ended up watching South of Nowhere. I, I do remember um, that show. She's actually, like, a lot older than I thought she was. She's, like, in her 40s. He is in her 40s. Like, I looked it up because I was like, I feel like she's been around too long. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Bianca Lawson. Um, So I looked it up. She is 44 years old. Yeah. Like, that 44. was a surprise. Because this movie only came out, like, what, f- uh, seven, seven years ago? Is my math right? Yes. Yeah. Uh. That sounds right to me. I think now. So I, I 2011. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but oh, like I'm actually really surprised. That's like the Bianca Lawson uh, school of acting. Yes. Which is 
play younger than yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> but like Bina is like like basically Aubrey forces Alike to be friends with this girl. And she's like, Y'all can walk to school together. Um, so Alike reluctantly like agrees to hang out with Bina. And I feel like it, of course, when she first starts, she has to do it because if she doesn't, she's going to hear her mother nag her about it. Yeah. And you kind of like, if my mom was always in my business, be like, you need to do this. You need to do that. I'd be like, okay, anything that I can do to not hear that, I will do it. And I feel like that's where Alike was. And like, Bina is okay. Like, She's okay with it, but she also threatens not, like, if you don't walk to school with me, I'm going to tell your mom in an effort to get Alike to talk Mm -hmm. to her. And it works because Alike starts talking to her. Um, So over, like, the course of the next few scenes, they start, like, talking to each other, start hanging out with one another. And as Alike is spending more time with Bina... She's spending less time with Laura. Yeah. And part of, like, I feel like that's a cool kind of, not for, like, the ra- their relationship, but it lets you see what Laura is going yeah, through. Yeah, we start to see, like, her so, like, home life, because she does live with her sister. Um, and we kind of hear not, like, a vague sort of uh, allusion to her mother and... Uh, about how her mother would want her to finish school and have already taken, because Laura, for some reason, is avoiding taking this test, even though I think the opportunity has come up, like, more than once. Mm -hmm. And her sister and her, like, they're going over the bills, and uh, there's some, you know, some bills they have covered. There's a few. (laughs) What she say? She said, let it ride or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'll pay. And, and and Laura's like, I'll pick up some more shifts. I'll take, you know, I'll do this and that. And this is just like, Laura, you need to be taking this test so you can go back to school, so you can get your diploma. Or at least, you know, so she can at least get her GED so she can have better chances, most likely. Or at least, you know, I mean, she's still, what, under the age of 20, right? Like, yeah, I feel like she's like 18, 19. Yeah, so I mean for some people like like going and going into the workforce is like a definite like that happens like right after they get out of school and some people have to drop out and they don't get to finish. But like her sister is like honestly like before you moved in like I had it, which I was like, "Did you?" <laughs> yeah. Like I really side nine a little bit too cuz she was like, "Let it ride." I'm like, "Wait, what?" I was like you said that for more than one bill. I don't know if y'all got it all the way together <laughs> but like she's she's very like you know encouraging her like at least go back to you know finish this um I know you can do it but uh yeah the more like she uh the more that Alike spends with Bina like you can kind of see like the jealousy starting uh to kind of come out of Laura in certain um a certain parts and like when they go out and that kind of thing but yeah, her um, Laura's home life is really kind of like it's sad. But we haven't gone to that part yet. Yeah, but it's sad. This is like it, it broke my heart when we get there. Like I was, I was upset. Like yeah. I was, I was hurt. But like 
I feel like the scene where Alika and Bina bond the most is when Alika is kind of like forced to spend like a Friday evening over her house and they aren't talking to each other. So Bina suggests like, like ask her questions about what kind of music she likes. So they kind of talk about music and Alika is being like an asshole and is like, Oh, I listen to music that you probably have never heard of. I like underground, like conscious. Oh stuff. yeah, I, I like, kind of oh, rolled bro. my eyes about that because I was like, "Girl, I thought I wanted to hear that stuff." But it was funny. Did you catch how they they did like the low budget like pop and <laughs> hip hop <laughs> titles? Because being asked yes. if you like Destiny's Kids yes. or JP or Fitty, and I was like, "Christ!" I was like, "Did nobody want? Did nobody want to get sued?" I was like, "Are these real? What?" Did she meet? She didn't say Destiny's Child, right? Right. I was like, "Is this nickname she had for him?" I think it was supposed to be like, like we're missing these people, but just in case, <laughs> like you know, how you can't like use people's names and things, which is kind of weird. I never like, I never considered like, do you have to pay money to use a person's name in a film, in a fictional film? Well, not fictional, but like semi autobiographical, but. Yeah, because JP, I was like, all right, all right, all right. And Fitty, I was like, okay. (laughs) I don't think any of these people are real, but I'm just going to roll with it. I was like, look at this low-budget store brand (laughs) stand-ins. 13 spent all that money on the Jack Black poster. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they were doing the right thing by being low-budget, damn it. Like, when you, like, think about it, just think about how trash all the music in 13 was. Oh, good lord. Everything was horrible. Yeah, I don't think this movie, movie. does this movie have a lot of music in it? Not really. Not really, but at least it's, well, I feel like maybe a substantial amount went toward Mm -hmm. my neck, my back, which was a very sound investment, honestly. Yes. Um, But it's like, it wasn't, I don't think it was quote-unquote like real music but it also didn't sound too fakey fake like it sounded like something i would listen to not on purpose (laughs) but it would come on in a room that i'm in and i'm experiencing it (laughs) but it's not something i'm gonna go like let me find that even spotify does their autoplay like i feel like it 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 has its place in the world not in my house (laughs) Oh yeah, they. I don't know what the music that that uh, that Bina. She, well, she says she likes rock music, and then she plays some like really terrible song on her computer. <laughs> it's very like early early two thousands like bad rock music. Yeah, it was everything I listened to in middle school. Yeah, it was a bit it was a bit raggedy sounding, but they liked it. I mean, uh, Alike likes it. That's how they start to yeah. Fun. She liked it. She fucked with it. She was like, yeah, I like this song. And I was like, oh, this is cute. But like, as my this is cute senses tingled, I was like, this ain't going to be cute for long. Because something ain't right here. Something <laughs> ain't right. And we, we'll get to that. But like, they have a chance. Like, they, they're hanging out. Um, Bina offers to like, take, like, offers um, Alike an invitation to a party. And uh, like, I thought this was something special. Special, like now that I'm thinking back on it, I feel like this is mm-hmm. kind of important, especially when you figure out what happens later. Like, Alike, 
Um, Bina invites Alika to the party and Alika asks like, what do I have to wear? And she's like, you don't have to wear any, like you could just come as you are. You could just be yourself mm-hmm. at this party. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's nice. Because she isn't like, the only time I feel like Alike is herself is when she's hanging out with Laura in the club. Like, yeah, I don't even think Alike is herself, like who she is at home. So well, she can't be Bina allowing her another place to be herself. I thought that was like really nice. Cause she can't be herself around her mom. Her mom is like down her throat every five seconds. I mean, I think maybe with her dad, but even then her dad, cause her dad doesn't really care what she wears. And like, they go into the gym and play like one-on-one with each other. Um, and so maybe she's got like, mm-hmm. that's probably as close as she gets around her family. Um, aside from like maybe like Sharonda sometimes, but yeah, like aside from Laura, like Bean is probably the first person that she is friends with. Like, outside of uh like in school she's kind of friends with her and uh she doesn't have to sort of like put on the sparkly shirt and you know fix her hair a certain way and wear the ugly fucking blouse <laughs> like she can be her like you know wear her fitteds and feel comfortable in her skin which is very important because she doesn't really get a chance to do that and she probably feels like very stifled like I would feel very like extremely stifled if I just like had somebody like always like up my ass about like what I'm wearing, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like just let me wear my docs in peace, bro. I got all these doc Martins. Just let me let me be me, please. But at the same time, at the party, or at the same time, she's at Venus' house. I think uh, she had promised Laura, like Alika had promised Laura that she would go out, like they would go back to the club because they had you know hung out in a while. Actually, Alika wants to go somewhere else other than the club. And says, like, oh, I met this girl, and she's really cool. But they end up going – they're supposed to go to club with each other. And then Alike kind of ditches her to hang out with Bina. And Laura's, like, mm-hmm. hanging out outside, which is – does she, like – they're, like, standing outside and smoking, like, her and a bunch of other girls. And I guess they're kind of, like, reminiscing on, like, their sort of younger selves. And I don't know. Does she, like, witness, like, a prostitution kind of thing? I don't – no, I feel like with the group of um her group of like Laura's group of friends, I kind of feel like ev- my vibe from their friendship is like ev- it seems like everybody had a similar experience mm-hmm. to Laura and had to find a yeah, way to make it they're on their definitely own. like because uh, they're just out That's- there like all night pretty much. So mm-hmm. it's not like they have, you know, a mom to yell at them. They're like, come home by 1230 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and one of the girls from the block, like, ends up staying on her, Laura's, like, sofa. Like, she goes to sleep at her house. So, like, that's another kind of, like, um, like a subtle indication. Like, these girls probably don't have, um, like, stable home lives. Yeah, or support systems. Yeah, or support systems. And, like, that's why they're kind of, like, out. And they kind of rely on each other in a way. But I- just remember, like, something that we, like, skipped over was the father, and the father was hanging out at, like, a liquor store? Oh, yeah, we need to talk about that, because this is when we find out he's a detective. Well, he's on the news for some reason. Yeah, like, they had a drug bust. Yeah. Because on the bottom of the screen, it said, drug bust. Oh, see, I missed that part. 
um, the dude, I guess, the owner of the liquor store is like, yeah, bro, you on the new, uh, on the TV again. You on channel two and eight or something. And he's like, yeah, just being a detective. And he had like a smart mouth friend that worked there. Mm-hmm. And this scene made me mad. Like, bro, like, just mind your business. But while they're in the liquor store, um, a woman comes in and she's dressed mm-hmm. very butch. So she has on like a um, D-Ray vest. Um, Shut up, Brittany. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate you. <laughs> she- <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so she's dressed like she's just a little masculine. And the dad's friend just keeps talking shit to this lady like, ma'am, 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 ma'am. Ma'am, oh, her, sir. would you like it if I call you sir? Sir. Yeah. Sir. I was like, bro, punch this man in his face. Like, punch him in his Ugh. face. Like, I don't know. Men are so garbage. Oh, my that. God. I hate it. Like, first of all, mind your business and let this woman shop in peace. Second of all, you ugly. Third of all, mind your Like, stop harassing somebody. And I, it's, it's completely like, oh free. It's completely free. I never understood why people go out of their way to bother people who are just minding their business and are dressed a certain way or whatever. It like it has it does nothing. It just I don't know why people take it upon themselves as sort of like the sheriffs of like gender identity. <laughs> like like what are you doing? Like if she wants to dress more masculine, let that girl dress more masculine. Like what is that bothering you? Other than the fact that she's dressed like a dude, maybe that might you know, you know, offend your masculinity or whatever. Like y'all are so fucking fragile. I don't know if there's any dudes who listen to this, but y'all, some of y'all, y'all if there's straight dudes who listen to this, y'all are, are fragile. Like, as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't nobody exist in this world peacefully except for you. You need to get it together. Um, sorry, y'all. I mean, like, I'm not sorry. Like that that particular friend was like so upset that that like a lesbian bar opened up in the neighborhood. And it was nothing but a bunch of dykes walking around. I'm like, sir, like, why? Why Why? Why does people having fun have, like, why can't people have fun and live their life? How does that interfere with you minding your business at this liquor store? First of all, if you work there, you're getting money. So you better just sit in there and put in those hours at your shit. I don't, oh my God. Like, he kept, like, he asked her, like, how does pussy taste? And I was like, what oh, are you bro, doing? Her comeback had me laughing so hard. What do you think? A1 oh, comeback. A1. Talking about me. <laughs> She's like, I can't lie. It does taste good. Maybe you should try it sometime. Or maybe you should ask your wife how much she likes me. <laughs> and you can Since you got to be so damn nosy. Since you want to be all up in my business, bitch. Like, she got him. <laughs> that was a face crack. He was... That's what the fuck you get, though. Like, what she are you honestly doing? should have, like... He called her all kinds of slurs yeah. and stuff. He should... She should have punched him in his face. Like... Yeah, she should have broke yes. one of them bottles off I and bust him around like, nose. I would have... Like, <laughs> okay, it's happening. He was and then the police, I would be like, hey, you can't... You saw what happened. You can't arrest her for this. This self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, I felt threatened, so I had to whip his ass. Sorry. <laughs> like, like I don't, and then, like, of course, 
he doesn't say anything. Like, none of the guys say anything until, like, the first guy starts calling him. He's like, oh, he calls a leak he calls a leak a slur. And I was like, okay, so you're real bold. <laughs> like, to yes. call the cops, darling. A lesbian slur. Like, what are you doing? I, <laughs> like, of course, he was his ass yoked up for that I, one. Like, he, he, he was too bold. Like, he should have got punched in the face twice. Honestly. Somebody should have knocked his ass out. I'm still surprised oh, nobody oh. did. From either side. From either side. I would have been sweet retribution. But there's totally like people who do that all the time who just sort of like make it their personal priority to like harass people. Um, whether it be, you know, very butch people or, you know, very like feminine guys. They're, wor- they're terrible with feminine guys. Like, oh my God. But I don't know. It's just like such a weird sort of thing to like take it upon yourself to like make this your mission to be sort of like, oh, no, 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 we won't have that. And, oh, what are you doing uh, here, sir? Like, can't you just like, bring the girl up? That's all she wants to do? She just wants to buy her snacks? Yeah, like, what if she just walked out? Like, I'm over it. Like, you have thoroughly insulted me. I don't even want this no more. I'm going to go down the street. You costing yourself business, honestly. And I, I honestly, this is this is like something that, has like it came up while I was watching the movie. I don't understand. I honestly don't understand homophobia. Like as a person, I don't get it. Because either, what is so wrong with people being themselves and living their lives, minding their business? Like what does it's too much. It's too much for people. It's really too much. Like what does someone else's life have to do with yours? Like, you have, you don't have to worry about it. And you definitely don't need to hate somebody over, like, arbitrary societal things. Like, none of this matters. Like, won't, like you would be a better person if you focused on your shit. Like, you can make yourself so much better if you minded your business and do whatever you had to do to make yourself happy instead of, like, impeding upon the happiness and rights of other people just because they're quote different from you. Like I, I honestly don't mm-hmm. understand it. And a lot of people like to take like, like this happens in this movie where they like to take uh, religious, um, I guess religious texts as, as the reasoning why, but a lot of people like to hide behind religion to be complete yeah. and total assholes to people and it's garbage, and I don't know why people don't see the utter hypocrisy behind that, because, like, you can't sit there and say that someone, like, loves you unconditionally, but not you, exactly. not you, and not them over there, like, and, and here, and you take that book outside, and you go yell at those people, too, and you ostracize them, and you make them, you know, kick, people kick their children out, and all kinds of stuff, like, I don't know how some people can, like, live with themselves with the way they treat like especially like LGBT uh groups I don't like how can you sleep at night (laughs) it continues every time I think I'm like okay this is probably the worst thing I've ever fucking heard like I hear like another thing in the news but like something else I'm like damn like you really treat people like this and then you turn around and go to church 
and act all pious and high and, and you know, high and mighty and, re- and recite Bible scriptures and read the Bible at work and all that. Like, give it up. <laughs> give it a rest. I don't think you could do one or the other. Like, you cannot be that way. Like, you gotta, you honestly, like, I'm gonna, this is a moment of real. Like, I'm gonna get real. Um, this, like, how, like, LGBT people are treated by some religious people is why I'm not a religious person because I don't Mm -hmm. see the point. Like if the point is like, if you believe in a faith where, um, God quote, like God forgives you, you should treat all people fairly. Um, then you go and you don't do that. Like, that kind of negates the whole point. Yeah, it's like, what do you, did you learn? Like, if you don't treat people, treat people fairly um, or extend love to other people, like, you're missing the whole point of everything you practice. It's like, you went to church for like an hour, hour and a half. You went to, you know, Wednesday night Bible study. And you still managed to get it wrong. Like, I don't get where it comes. And I know people can like recite that's that fucking Bible verse to their blue in the face. I don't really care. <laughs> like, like that's one subsection of a massive book of like life lessons and, you know, and kind of like a doctrine of like how to live your life. And I don't, it's like, people are like, Oh, well, I'm just going to pick this part and I'm going to pick this part. And, and I don't like that. Exactly. Other part, like, so that. That's my other thing. Like you can't, Oh God, I'm going on. Um, my little soapbox, but you can't like honestly, you can't pick and choose things like because it's a whole lot of arbitrary like rules in the book that governed people like millennia ago. So everything like I always hear that no, there's nothing new under the sun, but there is new things under the sun because of technical like technological advancements like advancing as a society has changed from now to like biblical times like we got refrigerators and like salt and stuff so like (laughs) (laughs) it's like using old old very old rules to to i guess to explain or to uh to adapt your behavior to like you can't like there needs to be some adaptation of how y'all interact with people because no. gay people are not like a new thing either i know some people think that gay people are like made in the lab or like or like you know introduced <laughs> by white people shout out to hotel twitter <laughs> like, like gay people have been around for a very long time trans people have been around for a very long time like it's not a new thing it might be new to you because you might have thought it was something like you know worthy being put into like a mental hospital over but like it's not new this is not new culture this is not a new group of people it's not a new way of life like this is an established thing (laughs) it's people like there are all types of people so just like be chill mind your business and do you yeah and don't call people slurs in fucking public or in private don't call people slurs no like you you know what if you're bold enough to call somebody a slur in public... You gotta be bold enough to get clocked in the face. Yes, I know that. exactly. Yes. I'm very pro punching people in their shit. 
<laughs> if I had been that girl, she was, I wish that girl had like knocked over everything, but like she probably wouldn't be harassed any longer than she had been. But if she had knocked over like a rack of, of snacks or bottles or whatever, I wouldn't have blamed her. Because fuck that dude. No, I would be like, this is fine. This is fine. Yeah. The way she was treated. I hope she gave them a poor Yelp review. Yeah. Um, okay, so dude, man. he sucks. We, <laughs> we'll get back to Lee But like, she's spending more time with Bina. And then she finally, like, mm-hmm. gets the idea that Bina might like her. And... Yeah, Bina gives her a kiss on the know. cheek. Did we mention that part? And I think she tried to kiss her on the lips. And it, like, freaked Alike out. Yeah, she was, like, reading Alike's book of poems. And she was like, oh, it's so, it's so high school and cute. And, like, she's being all flirtatious since Chef. And, yeah, Alike's like, whoa, my guy. Like, what are you doing? And she goes to Laura's house. Where I think Laura and a bunch of like her friends are playing. Were they playing spades? They're playing cards. Yeah, I'm not as, I don't I'm, know how to play spades, so I can't tell. I don't either. Yeah, sorry, sorry. We're, we're revoked. This is, this is no longer <laughs> Black Girl Film Club. We're this is Black, Black Girl adjacent <laughs> film club. <laughs> sorry, y'all. But yeah, she like ignores her, and then she like yells at her, like you know, I'm not. I'm here. I'm trying to play cards. Like, leave me the fuck alone. So she's kind of like, for a brief moment, like that bridge with Laura is kind of not um, not there. Like she doesn't have Laura to like turn to for like advice because Laura's kind of like her, you know, her mentor in this kind of thing. Like they're friends, but like this is how she's, this is her connection into this world. And that when Laura kind of ignores mm-hmm. her. Laura's definitely her guy. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty sure if Laura had met. Bina, she probably like, girl, don't play with that. Yeah. I don't know about all that. But, um, and then at home, Alika catches her dad on the phone. And this is another thing. So her dad, like, it's frequently, like, suggested, like, her dad is probably carrying on an affair, mm-hmm. which, given their home situation, like, it would not be, like, a stretch to think of, mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty sure either he is working late or he's probably having an affair. Probably a little bit of both. I feel like it's a it's fifty fifty on that. Yeah, and he like brings up the question about her clothes because Audrey's been nagging at him, and uh, she kind of like in a roundabout way uh, asked him for relationship advice about Bina. And I thought that was so cute, like her face. I know. Oh, she was so excited. She was like, oh, you know, like, what do you do? And, you know, she's like super excited. And he's like, oh, is that a boy? Who is he? I'll look him up in the system. He's like, I'll be, your mom will be so happy. And I was like, oh. Oh, you shot it in the face, did you? (laughs) You shot the moment down. Honestly, for a moment, I thought he was going to be like, like more supportive. And she would have told him like, it's a girl, and he would be like, oh, cool, I'm not going to tell your mom, because, bruh. But when he said, who is he? And I was like, oh, baby. Oh, oh babe. Yeah, he immediately uh, assumes it's a boy. And and then he brings up the lesbian club, too, that she's been going to, because the club is, like, down the street from the, the liquor store, um, and asks if she's ever heard about it. And, of course, she says, you know, no. and uh, he says, like, it's a rough neighborhood and that she should stay away. That's, like, pretty much the extent of it. Like, he doesn't even, like, try to 
asked, like, oh, have you ever been? Because I think, I don't know, is her dad, like, in denial? Or is, like, he's just kind of, like, no. so wrapped up in, like, you know, extramarital affairs? Like he knows as well, but he doesn't want to say anything about it. But I also think that it's a very different knowing and not saying anything about it than the mother. Um, I feel like the only person who knows and doesn't say anything about it that's cool is Sharonda. Like, I feel like she knows for sure, especially mm-hmm. yeah. after the strap incident. Oh, yeah. You pretty much have to be a complete dummy <laughs> not know after that. You need some weird plastic white penis <laughs> and just, just hang out your sister. <laughs> oh god why did laura do that <laughs> but like she she's the only person that seems like okay with it like i feel like she gets that's her sister and she knows it and she doesn't care because she loves her whereas both parents are not mm-hmm. neither one of them are okay with it yeah, yeah, they have, um, I guess, varying degrees of okayness from like completely not okay to being like, well, this is this thing, but you know, we yeah. don't have to talk about it. I feel like that's mostly him, kind of like, all right, you, yeah, all right, you do that, but you know, but yeah, so I guess at school, um, Bina and Alike kind of catch up, they laugh about the kiss. And they ask about the party. And Alike is like, she wants to catch up with Laura. But she also wants to go to the party. And Bina says, she said, Alike can spend the night to avoid missing curfew. <laughs> Thirst trap. Her mom thinks that's the best idea ever. Her mom is like, oh my God, Alike has a friend. Yeah, she's so happy. And she's like, yeah, you can go. Yeah, as long as it's not Laura, she would probably wouldn't give a shit <laughs> who it was. Yeah. You can't go over Laura's house. Um, But this is also when we go over Laura's house. Mm -hmm. So, like, through, like, while um, Alika and Bina are like, they kind of take a backseat. The movie does a pretty okay job with, like, floating around with a few of the characters. And with Laura, we kind of see how she ends up living with her sister. So, like, throughout the beginning of the movie, you see her, like, Mm -hmm. studying for her GED. And, like Ashley mentioned earlier, she's not really as, like, it seems like she's more nervous to take it than anything else. Um, But she doesn't give you, like, any reason why she's kind of nervous. But you kind of get the feeling that she doesn't quite want to take it. But, she like, she studies and she takes it and she passes and the first person that she goes to mm-hmm. tell, she goes back home to her parents' house. And she knocks on the door and she waits. And then she decides to leave. And then the door is open and her mom is standing there. And she kind of like plays it off like, yeah, I was just in the neighborhood. So I decided that I would like stop by. And how like how have you been? You've been good. I've been doing good. Just, guess what? I just passed my GED. Aren't you excited? I'm pretty excited. I just wanted to see if you're okay. So like mm-hmm. she's having a whole mm-hmm. one sided conversation with her mother. Yeah, her mom looked at her like yeah. like she was like the worst thing ever. Like even when she kind of shows her the results, like her mom like steps back 
Like mm-hmm. she's about to like hide from her. And I was like, how trash can you be? Like you gave like, birth Like this scene like broke my heart. Like you, we've seen how hard Laura has like, you see that Laura's working. She's willing to pick up extra shifts. I kind of guess she works at like a restaurant, um, mm-hmm. but she's offering to pick up extra shifts mm-hmm. to make sure her sister is good on the bills. But her sister's like, no, you need to focus on school. So she's working hard and she finally has something that she's proud of that she wants to show her mother and her mother just outright rejects her. And like, you get the idea, like her mother put her out of the house when she came out. And that's why she lives with her sister. And like, Mm -hmm. how how can you be so cruel to your own, like your own child? I, I don't get that. I know. Like, that's like a special type of evil. And that's like the worst, like the, 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 I think like, Laura's situation is probably like one of like on the better side of things because like some parents it's way worse like I mean they could have done something terrible they could have sent her like to conversion therapy like I mean somebody could have yeah. killed her like like terrible things happen when people come out and that's why I get, I get mad when people are like oh like try to out other people that pisses me off so much because I'm like Dude, like that is a life or death thing sometimes. Like some people are really, really lucky. Like I have more than a few friends that are uh lesbians and like their families are like completely cool with it, completely or like at least as cool as they are they will be. And you know, they still talk to their kids. My best friend is actually a lesbian and she's married. Um, I think she got married like last year. And, you know, her and her uh her wife have been together for at least five or six years now, I think. And like her mom is, you know, she kind of comes over and like, they still talk. She doesn't treat her terribly or anything like that. But like, that's like a really like on the, like a plus. (laughs) That's like a really good, sometimes it's really rare. And that's really sad to like hear because like what, I mean, your child, I mean, your children don't do this to themselves to like spite you or whatever, like, like if they're coming out and whatever, like that's a really, really brave thing to do. Number one. And number two, like they're not doing it to like, you know, dishonor you or whatever. Like they're doing it. Cause like, this is them. And like, they're probably like struggling. They probably like have struggled with the decision to even come out to you in the first place. Like, like that's a really big thing. And like some people take it like, Oh, I failed or Oh, this, that, and Oh, this is, or they'll blame like the other parents. Like it's like some huge awful thing to have happened. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a normal thing. Like some people's parents, I mean, well, like (sighs) I feel like this movie also brought up the question for me of like, why would you like why would you like disown your kid though like if your kid came out to you why would you disown him like i don't i don't understand that either um because like i guess i've heard like people say like you feel like you've lost something when like your kid comes out and i'm like what exactly are you losing like you're you're Technically, not you're not losing like, anything. Uh, I mean, this is your child's life. Eventually, your child's life is no longer like. Although a lot of people are like, well, my child, my my child 
is my child and they're going to do whatever I say and they're going to live how I want to live. And like eventually, like, you know, there's going to be a, a time when your children's lives are no longer your own. Like they are, they're their own lives. Like they have their own sort of like lifestyle or like choices that they're making. And it's not to spite you. Like 99% of the time, it's not to spite you. It's just because they're trying mm-hmm. to be themselves. And I don't know, people take it. It's just so, it's like a complex web of bullshit. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, you know, it's weird, probably, weird to me uh, though. Barely, yeah. And like barely even scratched the surface of it. But like her, uh, her scene with her mom is like some real shit. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad she had her sister to go to because most of the time, like she could have been like the other people that were outside with her and like, you know, count surfing and like staying with friends and stuff yeah. because it could have been like really bad for her he did have her like her sister i'm well i'm still like thinking about that that scene is like so rough it's rough yeah and the actress in that scene she did a really good job i was like dang this is terrible and, like her eyes were watering like her. she was like tearing up but she didn't want to cry in front of her mom i was like oh oh mm-hmm. oh poor thing but back to like Alike and Bina. Yeah. So they- yeah, they go to that party. <laughs> oh, that party was okay. Okay, I won't talk too much shit because it was like it was a hipster rock party, but like the singer was black, but all her bandmates were white. So like, I mean, I guess I'll give her props there, but like, it also seemed like the kind of music that somebody would have made me listen to in college. <laughs> Uh, and I just was like, okay, all right, <laughs> all right, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But they're having fun. They did. They had so much fun. And this is just really pretty. It's probably one of the prettier scenes in the movie because there's like lots of like pink lighting and stuff, and they both look like really good. Shout out to her because Bina, we didn't mention Bina's kind of light skin, where Elike is like on the darker side. So like to get them both looking nice, that's some skill. Because they could have just lit Bina really nice and then leave Alike out there, like, looking like a flat surface or whatever. But they actually, you know, get shadows and highlights on her face. And shout out to Bradford. I feel like (laughs) that scene that you're talking about, I got to bring up. I got to bring it up. I got to bring up Moonlight. Um, Okay. Because of how, like, a lot of the tones in the movie, especially in the party club scenes, are, like, reddish in mm-hmm. purples and mm-hmm. like the first thing that I thought of was like all of the blue tones in Moonlight and how the stories are very similar but very different and one thing mm-hmm. that I wish would have happened in 2011 is that Pariah should have received way more attention that it did than it did um I Honestly, based on like Moonlight, and this is not me sliding Moonlight because I feel like Moonlight is a very good mm-hmm. movie. It's beautifully shot. I feel like beautifully acted. I don't know very many people who do do like who would disagree. Like, <laughs> I, I like it. Like mostly, I like that dude getting here on the back of the chair. I mean, back of the back with the chair. Like that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> He was like, oh, I'm not the oh, my God. That's the best part of the movie. And then the second best part is Trevante. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Pariah needs 
it needed and it continues to need more shine. Um, it's it kind of falls into that category of like gay dramas with an unhappy ending. Yeah, and I was gonna talk about that because um, I was thinking about that just because my my uh, I guess experience with like gay and lesbian or like quote unquote queer films um like there are not a lot of happy endings like not a lot or they're kind of like um there's been like very very few like moonlight's more of like an ambiguous ending Briars is kind of more of an ambiguous kind of ending um well semi and then but I mean, most of them are really sad. Like, and oh, well, okay. The last one I watched was But I'm a Cheerleader. And that movie is ridiculous. And that's a happy ending. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a comedy. It's a, like a comedy drama kind of thing. But most of, like, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, queer films are very sad. There's usually some sort of, like, hate crime involved. And it's like, it's never like a, like a very, like, you know, I, I met this girl and or I met this guy or I met whoever and I like them and we had a life and yay. Like it's it's usually something very, very traumatic involved that kind of shapes the entirety of the film. I think the probably the most well known movie might be um Brokeback Mountain. I was about to say that Brokeback. Yeah, and that one is because I was thinking. I think that's like one of the first like big major like mainstream because that was like Oscar. Was that Oscar nominated? I think it was Oscar for Best Picture. I'm pretty sure that was like the butt of every joke. I think it might have. I'm yeah. I have to look and see, but I'm pretty sure it was because I know they wanted them. I remember reading a thing about um, from Jake Gyllenhaal, like probably like from the last like few years, and he was talking about Heath Ledger because they got really really close and you know, people wanted to, like, make it, like, a butt of every joke. Like, people did, but they wanted them to, like, make fun of it at the Oscars. And Heath was like, no, I'm not going to. Which I thought was really, really great because, like, this is, like, a thing a thing that happens to people. Like, people can't, you know, be with the person they love for various reasons, like societal reasons, you know, and that kind of thing. But I also don't think it's fair for, like, if you're, like, a young queer person and you want to watch a movie that kind of mimics your experience or whatever, like, there's not a lot of things that, like, give you hope. No. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm planning on it once I get my life together. But I've heard very good things about Love, Simon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like, like, I've seen a lot of think pieces around, like, do the kids really need Love, Simon? And I'm like, yeah, these kids need that. I saw that, and I was like, that's a dumb. Yes, thing like not only like LGBT plus, yeah, LGBTQ plus youth. This movie, like all teens, need this movie. Yeah, it helps to see like people like that in film. Like these are people you go to school with. They're work people with. you know, like, like, and you can see someone finally get a happy ending yeah and you don't have to do all this suffering and i think that's cool because Mm -hmm. you just need that little uplift and i feel like everybody needs that and the youth need it which i'm i'm honestly glad that from what i've seen um the youths are a little bit more 
I don't want to say woke, um, but a little bit more aware of their world where they are a little bit more open-minded to different ideas and to different types of people um, and more accepting of everyone. And I, I really admire young people for that quality because it it's cool. Like Mm -hmm. you think about things like when I was younger, which was about like 75 years ago when I was in middle school like things are like so much different now. Like everyone has access to the internet in your Mm -hmm. pocket. Everybody can communicate with people throughout the world and you kind of have a wider support system. And I think that is wonderful. Like I think Mm -hmm. that I I really hope (laughs) that this, the next generation is it generation Z is we on Z the after millennials, the little Z babies. I think it's Z. That they like they can continue this work and make Zygos? society better and make people more ex- um, accepting mm-hmm. of more things. I feel like we would benefit greatly from it. And I'm gonna step down off of this soapbox again. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> Yeah, let's okay. Let's finish up the movie and then yes. we can we can have our we can have our moments. Uh, okay, so yeah, they go to this. Um, okay, after the 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 hipster rock venue, like they, uh, Bina and Alika are at the park. I guess like kind of near the piers, and Laura is there as well with him and her friends. And Alika is like so excited for them to like meet and. Um, she says she wants all three of them to all like hang out. And Laura says she's happy for her. Doesn't look very happy. <laughs> and uh, then she says, I love you. I feel like Laura's like, mm, something ain't right. I don't think something right. Laura's face is kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all nice and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, by the way, I love you. <laughs> and so just kind of leaves. And like back at Bina's house, they mentioned eating brownies. And I was like, are y'all eating, like, regular brownies or pot brownies or what's that? That's what I was like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like they were regular brownies. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, like, Bina is once again init- initiating the flirting. She's, like, all touching on her and stuff. And Alike is very hesitant. She's like, I've never done this before. Um, And Bina's like, ah, well, okay. And then they start making out, which I was like, Bina has a big-ass tattoo. Like, where does she get that tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> because she's how like she 46 years old yeah she's like 17 like, she's 40 so that's why exactly yeah she probably got that in her 20s in the 90s or whatever and um <laughs> <laughs> and then so like the next morning like Bina's you know she's like cleaning up around and she's already like up and Alike's on the bed and Alika is trying to like talk to her and be like, oh, you know, we don't have to tell people that we're together. Like, it could be a secret or whatever. And Bina's like, together? Like, we're not together. (laughs) Which I mean, like, red flags, red flags, like alarm bells going off. And she said she was just playing around and she's not gay, gay, gay. Like, like, that's like, so, like, it was so quick. Like, she was really warm one minute. And then that next morning, she was like, uh, you gotta go. Like, it, she was so cold. She didn't even talk to Alike. No. Like, and I was like, oh, she trash. 
She trash. Yeah. And she told her not to tell anybody. <sighs> trash. I was like, geez. Like, yeah. oh, poor Alike. Like, her face is like, ah, oh, she was so heartbroken. I'd be heartbroken too, because Damn, we spent all this time, you know, hanging out and listening to garbage music. <laughs> 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 and then we have a, a night together. That's her first night oh. with anybody. So it's a bigger, like, you know, this is like layers on top of things. This is all these feelings. And of course, Bina just decides to be like, oh, well, I'm not really gay. gay. I just kind of do my own thing. I don't like labels. Yeah, don't talk. Don't tell anybody about it, okay? Just, you know, stuff happens, you know? I'm like, you trash. Uh, you trash. Like, why would you do that? So, uh, so, yeah, so I guess she didn't come home last night. I guess she didn't tell her mama that she was going to come home. And Alike <laughs> says the greatest thing. She says, I'm not dad. I'm not your husband. So stop coming at me like I am. I'm not your companion. I'm not your friend. You made that abundantly clear. I'm your daughter and I have my own shit to deal with. I was like, oh, my God. Which, I mean, somebody had to say it. No. Yeah, like, I don't know if I would be able to, like, no. pull that off. <laughs> But I think it's important because, like, Audrey is either, like, up her butt about stuff or she is, you know, trying to be like, oh, I like that shirt. Maybe we'll get you some more shirts. Like, it's too many signals. Too much is happening. And she's like, I I can't. I can't deal with this. I have my own stuff going on. I just, you know, got curved. Massively curved. And... And yeah, like, and her mom's already pissed off because we skipped this part, but like, I think like the night before that she'd been waiting for her husband and she had been like faking she was asleep and he comes in and he's like, oh yeah, he lies and says he's been home for an hour. Which I was like, <laughs> oh Lord. And then like, of course, um... You know, Alika's dad's like, yeah, she has a boyfriend, leave her alone. I would know she was gay because I know her better than anybody else. And they get into like this huge argument mm-hmm. that Alika and Sharonda definitely heard. And Alika, and you know, their mom accuses him of cheating. So she's already in a bad mood when Alika comes home. And Alika just goes upstairs and like trashes her room and cries. So more people trashing their homes, <laughs> like in 13. Like, that's the first thing I was like, don't tear up your stuff. You go to other people's <laughs> house and you tear up I'm their so stuff. I'm so glad she didn't have one well, no one You might go to jail, but at least you don't have cleaned up. She didn't have like trashy linoleum to try <laughs> to ruin like like Tracy's mom, 13. And, you know, she falls asleep crying and she wakes up and they're arguing again Alike goes downstairs, she finds Sharonda, she tells her to go upstairs and lock the door, which is usually, like, something you would tell your siblings when you think something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like a domestic dispute. At least in movies, that happens a lot. And uh, this is the part I hated this line so much, but this is, like, such a fucking... Uh, so, uh, so her mom tells her dad that Alike is turning into a man before your eyes and you don't want to face the facts. And then, and then calls her, okay, I hate using this word, but I will, I will say the word. She says, she tells Alike to tell her dad to say that she's a nasty ass dyke. Mm. Which I was like, what is your problem, mom? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what Mm. is wrong with you? She, and I feel like, (sighs) kind of like what Alike said, like, she took out her frustrations with her marriage. 
and Alike out on Alike. Mm-hmm. Yes, she threw it all at her daughter. Yeah, which is unfair mm-hmm. because, I mean, Alike is just trying to survive in this in this madhouse. And, of course, her dad's like, it's not true. And they're arguing back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Alike's like, hey, I'm gay. This like, is what you wanted me to say, here, right? Here you and go. she said, and I was like, Okay, everything is gonna be okay. Everybody gonna take a step back. Yeah. And then we gonna all hug it out. Maybe next day. No, we did not hug it out. Like, um, her mom just starts like attacking her. Like, yeah, I don't even know what she like attacks her with her. It's just like the sheer force of like her hands. Yes. And she like goes like straight for her face and like tackles her pretty much. And like if her and her dad, like, has to pull her off of Alike, like, and she's yelling at him that he's a cheater, but he's trying to, like, drag her yes. away, basically. And Alike's, like, torn up. Her face like, is scratched just from that up. small interaction, like. And, he, like, like, this is, a, that scene broke my heart again, like. Yeah. That, that's your daughter, dude. Like, who touched their children? Like, that's your daughter. This is her baby. Why, why would you do that? Why? I don't understand. Why would you do that? And thank God for, like, Laura, because Laura's there again to provide Alike with support. Mm-hmm. Like, you can stay at my sister's house and you can, we'll, we'll just make it work from here. And Laura was such a good friend. Like she was a good friend, and um, she knew enough to try to mend things for Alike with her family. So like Alike decides to stay away from home, um, but like she's yeah. just hanging out. And then one day Laura comes up with her father, and they kind of, mm-hmm. sort of, not quite exactly, but they kind of like make amends and slowly try to patch things up yeah he's like you know like basically he tells her the story about her mom kind of being there because alike was like afraid of leaves when she was a kid and you know basically tells her like you know your mother is always there for you and alike is like uh yeah so newsflash i got accepted into a early white uh writer's workshop at berkeley and i need you to sign the paperwork so you can graduate early and he kind of, you know, kind of assumes that she's going to come back home then. And, you know, he, like, apologizes and asks for forgiveness and says she can always come home. You know, things will be different, which is, like, a complete lie. Because earlier, her mom has, like, fixes dinner oh. for all of them. And uh, and she's all pretending like nothing is wrong. She's like, oh, yeah, I got this recipe. <laughs> And you know this is okay, and I think that they could get and and her sister's looking at them like, are y'all insane? Like, there's clearly a somebody missing here. Like, and her dad's kind of just kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, he's kind of everybody seems like they're dealing with everything in their own yeah fucked up ways. <laughs> um, and uh, and so. Alike's like, I'm not running, I'm choosing, and I'm not, I'm choosing mm-hmm. not to go back home, which is probably the best decision that she could make, because there's no telling, like, what would happen if she would go back home, and, you know, her dad says that she should tell her mom, uh, like, talk to her mom, so she goes and finds her mom at work, 
I think she's reading like a mini Bible there. And I was yes. Like, uh. yeah. yeah, I was like, uh, okay, fake pious. And then like, she's like, oh yeah, she tells her mom her love. She loves her, and um, her mom's this it back. this made me mad and broke my heart. Alike was like, I love you, mom. Yeah, because she told her mom like twice. She's like, mom, I love you. And she was like, I'll pray for you. I was like, no. And then, yeah, and you know what? If you live in the South, I was like, listen, that's like basically two steps up from fuck you. Like, the worst thing you can say is, like, bless your heart. Oh my God. I was like, no. (laughs) Tell your daughter you love her. (gasps) I'll be praying for you. Be blessed. Have a blessed day. You know, bless your heart. Any of that is like completely like a code for like fuck you so if you're ever you know south of the mason dixon line like and someone tells you that they're clowning you just know that <laughs> yeah if you ever hear oh bless your heart mm. oh bless your sweet Ooh. sweet soul bro you got roasted mm. and especially if it comes from like an older yeah. lady it's usually from an older lady <laughs> But it hurts even worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like um later on, you know, we see Alike's reading a poem. And it's basically about her being broken and free. And her father is packing her things for her in the house, and he takes her and uh Laura to the I guess he gives her a ride to the bus that's gonna go to Berkeley. Yeah. You know, and Laura's like, you know, make sure you keep in touch. And once Alika finishes her poem, like her teach her English teacher is like finally impressed with her writing. She's kind of like speechless, actually. And then the last shot is Alike smiling, like you know she's on the bus. She feels kind of like she's a little nervous, but it's like nervous, excited, and you know she's wearing like her normal clothes, like her you know her hat and her polo and stuff. And she's on her way to living, you know, her best life, basically. Yeah, yeah, away from her psychotic family. <laughs> yeah. So, be herself now. Yeah. So, yeah, she can finally be herself. But sometimes you can yeah. only be yourself when you're, like, away from your family, which sucks because they won't, you know, try as you might. There's, like, sometimes there's just, like, no reconciling that. Like, you have to be happy. And being around your family is not always going to be happy, like, make you happy. Like, that's kind of, like, a hard lesson that a lot of people have to figure out um as they get older sometimes sometimes it's not that the case but for a lot of people it is so you kind of have to do what you have to do in order to survive because she stayed in that house like who knows what would have happened like she probably just would have been i feel like it would have gotten wild wild or like she would have just turned like like gotten to like complete depression like yeah, and of course her mom would have been like, everything's okay. I'm Susie Homemaker. <laughs> like, ooh, oh, so awful. So, so yeah, that's that's Pariah. Uh, so I guess any uh, like extraneous thoughts or connections to to thirteen? Because there's a couple of things that are like definitely reminded me of thirteen, even though they're not necessarily similar um, in every way, but. The thing- the thing that made me like think of thirteen immediately was like tearing up your house. <laughs> like <laughs> you gotta clean it up, you tearing up your house. And also Yeah. How like kinda like in the beginning of um thirteen, like Tracy's transformation, like how she would 
go to school wearing one thing and then change to try to fit in with Evie. Um, mm-hmm. Where it seems like mm-hmm. Tracy was um, putting on kind of like a costume to fit in at school. Alicia was putting on the costume to fit in at home. Yeah. So they both were... The things that Tracy was doing was more harmful in a way. Like, she's still exploring herself and, like, her personality. Um, but it definitely was, like, in a... Yeah. Uh, like, in an unsafe way most of the time. Like, even her friendship with Evie, like, that was way unhealthy. Very. Which in comparison to... Uh, uh, Alike and Laura, like Laura's like her lifeline, like outside of her insane family. I mean, her family's not insane. Like it's like actually very common. A lot of things that were happening in her house, uh, but just like that whole thing was like too much, like like way too much for her dealing. Like there's all kinds of things on top of her, on top of her feeling out her identity. You got your parents are fighting, and your mom's yeah. like down your throat, and it's just a lot to deal with. Um, I think the one thing that I was thinking of when I was watching this is kind of like how your parents kind of, or not your parents, but like people's parents will kind of like fail their children. Like they will kind of try to, I guess, figure out what's best for their kids and end up kind of being harmful in a way because Tracy's mom, uh, she tries the route of being like, you know, her best friend almost and kind of like turning a blind eye to it where Tracy like really needs help and, um, and like more of like a disciplinary, not disciplinary, but like more of like a firmer sort of like, this is what's happening. What are you doing? Like your friend is doing the most and she's in my house 24 hours a day. Like, (laughs) like get her out. And whereas like Alike's mom is like, so overbearing and so like in her face about things and basically trying to steer her into this like mold of like what she thinks a woman should be and like this is not it and you know you won't see that girl again and all kinds of like standing in the way of like Alika's like true happiness so that was like the thing I think that I gathered I guess from both these movies because like aside from there's like one scene which we didn't mention in last uh, the last episode was that like there is like a kiss between yeah. Evie and Tracy. It was it was like a really quick kind of thing, and they kind of like oh you lesbo, <laughs> and then they like kiss each other. And I did make fun of them for like oh yeah they're totally like in love with each other, but like that was more of like a sort of like an experimental kind of thing. Like it wasn't like genuine, or at least not at that time. It was like you know a genuine indication of like Tracy's, you know, I guess how she identifies, I think is more of just kind of like, Oh yeah, you know, we're just kind of like trying this on today. <laughs> Whereas like Alika is like, this is, this is me. This is what I would like to be, but I can't figure out how to be it without my family also mm-hmm. like losing their shit. So, so yeah, that is Pariah. Like, what did you think for your like first watch? My first watch, I I mean I liked it. I liked um I liked I mean it's not like uh I would definitely say watch this over 13. Yeah. 
You definitely watch this when you're 13. Um, it wasn't like a super um, hard thing to watch either. Like, it, I mean, I know we talked about like some emotional things that happened in the movie, but like as far as like the pacing and the story and that kind of thing, uh, it's definitely not like shock value ish. Like 13 was like even though that's like Nikki Reed's life story. Okay. Up to I still the point. think he was watching the Bradley. <laughs> I don't think he was, you know. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely like watching Degrassi. This felt like a movie, like, that had some more weight to it. Um, it's very, like, I feel like there's parts like, I identify with because I, I know we didn't, like, mention this, like, at the beginning uh, of the of the discussion, but, like, like I identify as, like, a straight lady. So, like, there's parts that I can't identify with necessarily. I can't identify with, with a mother who did not like the clothes that I wore <laughs> because I wore a lot of like tomboyish things, not to the point of like of uh, Alike, but like I wore like a lot of um, like men's t-shirts. Like I'd wear like a lot of those men's sort of like graphic tees, wore a lot of jeans. I was like briefly a sneaker head for a while. <laughs> Oh, I had a lot, a lot of sneakers, and um, and I wasn't like into like I'm still not really into like lots of dresses and stuff. Like I like feminine clothes, but it's weird because I also don't like putting them on. <laughs> like I don't like wear a lot of dresses, and I think it's like also like a body type thing too, especially like back then because like I was all sorts of like puberty and like weirdly shaped, and it's definitely not like the fashion world that it was like how the fashion world is now with like, you know, certain like retailers and stuff kind of catering to like different body types. That was not a thing. Like there was probably like one or two stores and I didn't fit them because I wasn't necessarily like considered plus size, but I wasn't small enough to be like in the regular sizes. I was like in a weird sort of purgatory of fashion. (laughs) So I was like, I'll just wear t-shirts. That's cool. I like a t-shirt. <laughs> like, it, it works for me. So, yeah, my mom would always sort of make those, like, weird sort of, like, oh, you know, you're just such a tomboy, aren't you? And, like, it's always – she still sort of does that, too, sometimes. She's like, oh, yeah, because you were – remember when you were, like, such a tomboy? And I was like, you know, I mean, it's just like a – it's like more of, like, a necessity thing, honestly. Because, <laughs> like – yeah, because I definitely wasn't, like, comfortable, like, wearing all the, like, the halter tops and that kind of thing. And, like, you know, when you have to wear a bra all the time, those kind of shirts don't really work. Like, people want boobs, but, you know, you got to wear the bra <laughs> to yeah. have the, with the boobs. And then yeah. they don't really make shirts to, you know, that kind of, like, you know, to accommodate that. So that was, like, my whole, like, thing when I was a kid was, like, very, like you know, as far as people being like, oh, you should dress like this, or you should be more like this. And, like, that was definitely, like, relatable. Anything else? A lot of other things I don't think were as relatable just because I haven't experienced that. But, um, yeah, I would definitely, like, recommend this to people for, like, a watch if you haven't seen it before. Um, It's it's a pretty, like, quickly moving movie. It's, like, only 86 minutes it it's a good movie and i feel like it shows i feel like everybody in the movie yeah. were great like especially like kim wayne 
is unlikable. Like the mom mm-hmm. is not a like likable character at all to me. Um, I honestly wanted to fight her a few times because like you're treating your daughter like this. This your kid, bruh. <laughs> what are you doing? I did kind of feel bad for her at work because like did you see the part when she came in? I mean, she's she worked at like a clinic or like a doctor's office or something, and she came into the um to the like nurses area or like the lunch area and she like overheard somebody saying, Oh, I don't like her. And I thought for sure they were talking about like her. Like <laughs> I don't know, like they never like really specified. But I did kinda like get up and leave too. I kinda got the feeling that she didn't have any friends either. Like Yeah, she definitely was like a loner and kind of uh definitely to herself. And I don't think that was all yeah. like necessarily by choice entirely i don't think so either i think yeah i'm pretty sure somebody was like oh no girl we we don't like you (laughs) but she doesn't fit in with like the nurses because they're gossiping and you know that kind of thing and i don't think she's gonna like fit into that circle yeah she's also reading the bible at work so trash talk folks if you read the bible at work on your lunch break yeah you know you might be a little stick in the mud might not be like i don't know i know everybody different but i'm like uh, i'm gonna leave you alone leave you and i'm gonna talk about Rhonda over here at the reception (laughs) yeah but you have a good day (laughs) um it i i like it it this is my like third or fourth time watching it and it's it's a good movie i would recommend it um honestly I didn't do it today but it might have been like a cute thing to do is like watch it and watch Moonlight but I honestly don't know why I grouped those together mm-hmm. but that's just how my brain works I've seen people group them together on like online and stuff I don't know if it's because we have like such a lack of like black queer I movies I couldn't think one of any part. I th- there there it's not too like many like similar themes Mm -hmm. because um black didn't Mm -hmm. have to worry about coming out because he didn't do it until he was like 35 so like he was an adult um and didn't have like he didn't have any like family structure at all whereas alike had her parents present he didn't have anyone there really for him like at like at home like growing up to be really really on him like that um yeah but i don't know like that's just how my brain works so like if you're watching pariah mm-hmm. um i would like or if you you've seen moonlight then you should watch pariah um i feel like more people need to know about it more people need to see it and more people need to appreciate it because i like it, it was slept on, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I I wondered, too, if it's, like, it didn't come out that many years before Moonlight, but I wonder if that was, like, a, a, like, a, not a time period thing, but, like, maybe just when it was released, because I don't even remember anything that was released in 2011, to be honest. I don't think I remember the 2011 <laughs> <laughs> that much uh, was like Avengers released then? No, it was 2012. I do remember that one. Oh, but no. I don't. All I right. don't know what else was like being. I know like the MCU, obviously, but like as far as like indie movies, I don't know what was like on the scene. 
because this was like a big, I read like, this was like a big, um, big hit at Sundance. And then it was kind of fucked up because she didn't get a lot of funding. Um, when she came time to like do, uh, to, uh, make Mudbound, like people kind of knew that what she had done, but they didn't want to fund it for like various reasons. Like they kind of declined and even like Pariah when she made it, I think, uh, no, 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 no. They, she did make, she did get a pretty good deal. Um, considering how like cheap the movie was made for our distribution but like when she went um when d made um mudbound i think it was made for like 12 million dollars and i think netflix bought it for like 12 million and five like so yeah it was like just over the amount like 12 million five hundred thousand or something so like it's kind of it's kind of kind of I don't know. I don't know, like, what the extraneous factors. And a lot of people can, like, you know, blame it because it's, like, a female film, like, filmmaker and, and you know, black woman filmmaker. There's all kinds of things that you could kind of, I guess, not blame. What's the word? <laughs> you can, like, I guess, attribute. yes, attribute to that because it's, it's kind of weird. Because I don't think I'd ever heard of Pariah until... Mm maybe a few years ago and I never watched it only because I don't know if I had a good reason why I never watched it I know like I I'd, I'd, I'd seen it on Netflix because it's always on Netflix like I don't think they put it on any other channels or not channels any other streaming sites so if you do want to watch this movie and you haven't seen it you should go watch it like right now <laughs> considering it's such a quick uh watch but I don't really have another movie to like compare it to. Like I feel like in general, like lots of movies within the queer genre should probably be watched more. Um, but I don't have anything to like really sort of like hmm. compare it to. Okay. I know. And I'm, I know like I'm usually really bad at that, but I was trying to think about like for like the last like couple days and I was like, I really don't know. Like, I probably have to, like, go and, like, Google something and, like, come up with some some stuff. But um, I also wanted to talk real quick. I guess, is there any more, I guess, are there any more female film recommendations that we want to give in general? Okay. Off the top of my head. We, I talked about it a little bit um, earlier, like, in, like, the... 13 episode, but I would recommend Near Dark, um, which is a cowboy vampire movie. So it's about vampires in the West who are cowboys, kind of, but not like a, the old West, just like a modern mm-hmm. cowboy vampire. Okay. And it's really cool. And it's directed yeah. by Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> you, so you've seen this movie before? Yes. I watched it for the first time last year, and I was like, why didn't I watch this before? It's really, it's a good movie. I really like it. I've never, um, I've never seen this movie. I don't think, besides, before you ever, like, you mentioned it, I don't think I'd ever heard of it It's fun. Like, you know I love my horror, and I like vampires a lot. So, I feel like I watched that, and I watched Lost Boys. (laughs) Um, But, like, Near Dark is really good. What movie would you recommend, or... Um, what director do you think we need to give a little shine to? 
I think, I mean, I, when we, I'm looking at our list now, and I know, I do want to see Daughters of the Dust. I've never seen it before. That's directed by Julie Dash. Um, I don't think it's widely available, and it didn't really get a lot of press, um, at least to my knowledge, until like Beyonce did uh, Lemonade, because she mm. had a lot of visuals that are inspired by the movie. Um, but I don't really know like where I can watch it. So I'm going to probably try to find, to find that movie. Um, but I mean, we have a few, we have like, I feel like it's streaming somewhere. It might be on Netflix. It might be there. It might be on Filmstruck because every fucking thing's on Filmstruck. (laughs) Everything is. If you guys want to support us, you can buy us a Filmstruck subscription. Yeah, please give us a gift us a Filmstruck uh, subscription because I was supposed to get one for Christmas and I ended up not realizing that the money I was given ended up being spent on like food. So <laughs> I haven't got my subscriptions still. Um, I mean, there's a few that I know of, like were directed by women. So like these are kind of basic, but like so. Um, I mean, you mentioned a horror movie. I think the Babadook was yes. Directed by a woman, it Jennifer totally Kent. That's actually really, that was probably like one of the uh, more recent horror movies that kind of like made me a little freaked out I and had me kind of. So much. It's so good. Leave my lights on in the house. Cause I, and, um, oh, I was in, I was in the middle of watching Belle oh. um, with that. Which is a really, it was starting to get really sad. And I was only in it for like, <laughs> like a lot, like 30 first half hour I guess and I was like oh this is gonna be a bit this is gonna be a bit much um Divines is a good movie I don't know how to pronounce uh I think it's Huda Benyamina it's on Netflix it's a French movie it's about a Romani girl and um a black girl that are friends and uh their whole goal is just to make lots of lots of money and figure out how to like like get out of their really like kind of shitty lives and um also um bended like beckham is a great movie i'm going to put that out there everybody should watch bended like beckham at least once or twice i need to watch it i've never seen it you haven't seen that movie nope oh my god i have that movie on dvd i watch it like i watch it like all the time that's a good one um grinda chata who also did uh she did another movie, and I don't know it off the top of my head. She hasn't done really much since, but that's a pretty good movie. Um, if you don't know what it's about, it's like an uh, uh, Indian girl in England who wants to be a football player. Sorry, <laughs> a soccer player. And she uh, is dealing with like the sort of the traditional uh, issues with her mother and also her dad, who doesn't want her to do it because he wasn't allowed to play. Give it due to racism. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, I like that movie. It's a kind of a cute, like early two thousands movie. Very sweet. Um, but there's tons. I think we should maybe post this list. Yes, we can post a list. I think that might be helpful if we find some more. Because yeah, this is like a few girlhood too, which I've heard good and bad things. I've seen Girlhood, but I've heard like I've seen criticism about that movie just because it's like a, a white lady um, directing a, a very like I guess a bunch of black mm. girls. So yeah, I I wonder too because we when we picked when we picked um, 
Pride and 13, like it's a white lady directing and like a white girl and then it's like a black lady directing a black girl. So like, I wonder, like usually do, usually it's not very switched. I mean, like sometimes it's like a white woman directing like a black story, which yeah. sometimes does not end up very well. <laughs> and then there's like, um, but I don't know if, if I know very like black female directors that direct <laughs> white stories. Not off the top of my head. I'm sure there's one, but it's usually not a thing. I don't think many people like gravitate towards, at least like if you're a black director and you're usually going to tell like black stories. So, but yeah. So I guess any last words, any more thoughts? Um, No. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We really appreciate it. We read like our comments and we want to thank you guys for like putting up with us. For the last, this is episode four. Yeah, the last episode. We're we're trying, we're trying our best. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for like all the response that we get, and thank you for those who like you know like live. Uh, I guess live tweet because I've seen some. Um, I've seen some of y'all like. You know, y'all are at us, and I've gotten like texts from people. <laughs> somebody, somebody was like, "I didn't know that was Jeremy's sister in 13. <laughs> oh my god, that's the guy from <laughs> Clueless!" And I was like, <laughs> "So yes, we're thank you, thank you for allowing us to spread the gospel of Big Daddy Jeremy's sister." <laughs> yes, I love him. I love me some him. Love me some him. He yes, yes. Thank you for letting us, you know, affect your lives like this. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i guess in my best uh youtube beauty guru voice you know like and subscribe you know subscribe to our podcast subscribe to our podcast and you know you know follow us on twitter oh leave us um i guess should we ask the 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 listeners to leave us like emails or fan mail or you know questions yeah like you guys can send us an email if there's a movie that we should watch or you want to roast us or <laughs> you want to give us like you guys are totally amazing you can email us um <laughs> just shower us with compliments yeah we'll take everything like if you want to like fight me in the street yeah if you want to like, just send that email you know? yeah we're okay there's a time or a place <laughs> <laughs> and i might laugh really us. hard and delete it but you know I will. i'll read it <laughs> i would read it and then i was like oh wow my life is threatened then i would go full white woman on y'all like i felt threatened <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm calling the manager. You? I don't know who the manager is, but I'm gonna report you. I was told by Abigail. <laughs> if you do want to email us with any of the things that we just described, you can email us at Black Girl Film Club. This time it's all spelled out, so it is Black B L A C K um, Girl Film Club at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And our Twitter is BLK girl film club because twitter is trash um and we're on twitter pretty much every day <laughs> so if you want to get us that way yeah i live on twitter yeah sorry yeah that's yeah, sad you know but i'm there all the time uh, it's, a, it's a black hole yeah it's a black hole it's hard to get out of but yeah so yeah thank you for listening to us and thank you for listening to this episode yeah thanks guys bye bye guys